0: Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College online journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu.
1: We hope you enjoy the program. Greetings and welcome to the War Room podcast. I'm Colonel Chris Wyatt, Director of African Studies here at the U.S. Army War College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and today's podcast takes a look at post-conflict Liberia, and the Armed Forces of Liberia, best known colloquially by its acronym, the AFL. Liberia emerged from a bloody and highly destructive civil war in 2003. A transitional government held a caretaker role until the election that brought former World Bank economist Ellen Johnson Sirleaf into office as president in 2006. During the transitional government of Judy Bryant, Liberia agreed to partner with the United Nations in the lead role for reforming the Liberian National Police and with the United States as the lead for the military. From late 2006 until 2010, the U.S. Embassy oversaw the demobilization of the former AFL, reconstitution of the new AFL, and the eventual transfer of an operational army to the Liberian Ministry of Defense in 2010. Much has happened in the ensuing years, and one may ask many pertinent questions about the end result. Has the new AFL made the difference? What is the experience like from the inside? Well, one can say that the the AFL has made extensive contributions to society in Liberia deployed peacekeepers to Mali and Darfur and played an essential role in combating the Ebola viral disease outbreak that emerged in West Africa in December 2013. Today, we have with us here Lieutenant Colonel Roland Murphy, who is in the second cohort of the new Armed Forces Library. Lieutenant Colonel Murphy, welcome to the War Room.
0: Thank you very much, Colonel Wyatt. It's Thanks
1: a pleasure. I'm for- oh, sorry. It's a pleasure <laughs> to have you here.
0: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure um, meeting you again after a period of our decade Plus. I'm so happy to be here in this war room at the podcast. It is an honor. I'm grateful.
1: Well, I should let you know that Lieutenant Colonel Murphy is the first librarian army officer to ever attend the US Army War College. And as you may have dis- discovered from our brief conversation a moment ago, in the interest of full disclosure, Lieutenant Colonel Murphy and I are well acquainted with one another. I was the U.S. Army officer responsible for the Security Sector Reform for National Defense Program from June 2007 until September 2008. And during that time, with the help of many others, we completed the most of the rebuilding program, growing from 105 soldiers to 2,137. When we first met, Lieutenant Colonel Murphy was then new recruit Murphy. <laughs> And uh, he's come a long way since then. So as he said, more than a decade later, here we are at the U.S. Army War College. So this is sort of a bookend on a very long story. <laughs> sure, sure, sir. <laughs> so let me ask you this first question here, Lieutenant Colonel Murphy. So when you uh, first heard the announcement about the Armed Forces Library and the recruitment drive that took place back in 2006, what were you doing back then? Oh, Thank you, sir. Um, in 2006,
0: I have just uh, graduated from the university a year prior. And it was a very difficult period for me because I had an elderly mother who was terminally ill and I had to take care of her. And so that limited me from working and I had to do a little business to sustain myself and continue to take care of my elderly mother. Till the announcement came out on air, I think it was something of vocation. I just felt the urge of going to participate. And luckily for me, I did not have to travel to Morovia. And the recruitment team was read at the Boca Washington Institute in Kakata. So uh-huh. I just walked up to the to the recruitment center, and I did not tell anyone I was going to the recruitment center because looking at the past history of the AFL, I did not want to be discouraged by any family member. So I just walked straight in. And you know the details. Do the examination, the routine examination, medical and physical examination, and that was it.
1: So you had just finished university. You were taking care of your mother, who was, was in terminal, poor yeah. health. Yes, yeah. she was terminal, as you said. And you just trying to trying to get by. And you saw this announcement and, and, and you went through. You didn't tell anyone in your family you were no, going? No, I did not. Okay. So I did not. When, when you signed, what happened? Did, any response from your family? Uh,
0: after after I completed the recruitment phase, pending uh, vetting, I told my mother and my elder sister, they were the only two persons I told. I told them, wow, I, I, I started a recruitment process today and I was successful, but I stayed pending vetting. And mm-hmm. my, my sick mother said, but that's not a problem. Your grandfather was a soldier. Oh, so you have <laughs> so, a family history. Yes, we got a family history. Um, in our family line, we have served the Amphalos of the Um My two grandfathers, from father and mother, they both served the front, Labour Frontier Force. And I had an uncle who served the, the OAFL. He died right after April 6th and now I'm in a new AFL, so it's wow. a family thing. <laughs> so there's it's another story that's come full circle.
1: So you, both your grandparents uh, served in the original organized military, the yes, Territorial Defense Force. Yes, sir. Interesting. So what was it like for you to join this new military and become a private, and then later become commissioned as an officer, as a university graduate? And here you are today as a lieutenant colonel. Ah, it has been a very wonderful journey. It has been a very wonderful
0: journey. Um. Looking at the history of the airfare, where we came from, from the days of the Frontier Force, coming down to 1956, the new emphasis of Liberia, and coming, I mean the old emphasis of Liberia, coming to 2006, the new emphasis of Liberia, it had been a long journey for us, and being the first, being the first to uh, within such an organization that had no, no uh, uh, commanders, um, no, there was nothing like... Um, or handing and turning over note, you were just the first, and you have no footprint. You got to walk in it the way you are, and you are the only officer to walk in it that way, so it was difficult. Well, we, we, should,
1: p- we should probably share with our listeners, I'll tell them a little backdrop here so that they understand the full story. So the old armed forces of Liberia, during the 13-year conflict in Liberia, the long Civil War, they were either inept or ineffective, and some were complicit in crimes, or they really didn't do a good job of protecting people, which is their role. So a lot of civilians in society had a negative view of the AFL. Is that sure. true?
0: Sure. So even um, the two thousand eight piece um, the um, Truth and Reconciliation Commission report um, categorised the o- the OAFL as the seven worst uh, violators of human rights, and that was not too good. Uh, so there was a need, and the civil society, the, the population, the civilians saw the need that if we are going to have an army, it got to be an army that we will be part of and we will trust. So I think that actually what uh, necessitated the the, the, demo, the demobilization of the OEFL and the restructuring of the EFL because the people lost trust in the OEFL.
1: So when you joined, it truly was groundbreaking in many respects because people didn't know what to expect. Uh, is this going to be old wine and new bottles or is it going to be, <laughs> be something new? You took a risk.
0: Yeah, initially they were skeptical. Um, there was a guy that went at the recruitment center along with me. When he got by, his parents got very angry with him. They were actually angry with him, and they said, Wow, do you want to join an army again to start killing people or to start doing this? I told them, No, this is not going to be the case. I was very optimistic, and I
1: knew that things were going to work out. Well, and they have, as we've seen. This history has borne out. True, true. It's been very fortunate. <laughs> so it was a difficult, difficult for you to come in because, uh, as, as your friend discovered, his parents were not happy about yeah. it. So, it's, I should also let folks know that um, if you weren't part of this process, as you and I were, it's really, I think, difficult to grasp just how important this was for Liberia and for the Mono River region. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, sure. It was It was difficult. Um, initially, people, you know, looking at what happened in Liberia during the crisis, mm-hmm. we had um, insurgent crossing over from Liberia into Sierra Leone, into Guinea, and into Africa. A lot, of, a lot of our neighbors in the sub region were skeptical. Of Liberia, so after the new efforts were formed, <laughs> I tell you, they was they were like watching carefully, and the story is different now. Um, I don't know if you got this got this information. Recently, we were in Sierra Leone when they had a mass incident. We moved troops in there with humanitarian aid to provide assistance. We shared training opportunities at the Horton Academy. Um, we do a lot of things together with Arico, we've been over the past years we've been having synchronized operations, both land and water. and things have been going actually well. We share intelligence. Um, things have actually been working. The relationship is far better than they were 15 years ago.
1: Well, of course, Sierra Leone had also a very bloody civil conflict that went on for a number of years. Mm -hmm. And when I first arrived in uh, Liberia, officials from the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS, Mm -hmm. and from the neighboring states, I won't mention which ones, (laughs) but you already have, (laughs) uh, um, often said to me, we're very concerned that the Americans are training a super army, a super super (laughs) AFL. And they were concerned that the AFL would be a bad actor. And as as you said, it it seems that that has not at all been the case, actually been an actor for positive.
0: Yes, they have believed that now. Now we are contributing immensely to peace in the region. Um, we, are, we are actually building a force that represents the, 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 the sub-region. And we are now only within the sub-region now. I think you are aware we are present in Sudan. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are contributing to the peace in Sudan.
1: And also you've had peacekeepers uh, deployed to Mali for a few years now. And sadly, uh, uh, librarian soldiers have lost their lives on that mission.
0: Yeah, so we, we, we we lost one soldier and five other sustained casualties. Some of them are permanently uh, Disabled. Incapacitated, yeah. So just, it was, so. But that's part of the peacekeeping. Those things come with sacrifice. That's, as you say, some of the sacrifices we, soldiers we, make. We benefited from peacekeeping for more than 15 years. This is so, true. The United Nations yes. Peacekeeping Mission we, Library, UNMIL. Yeah, we, we started with ECOMOC. Mm-hmm. We started with ECOMOC. We have Nigerians, Ghanaians, Sierra and they contributed towards our peace. United Nations moved in, and we benefited from peacekeeping. I think it's time that we reciprocate. So you're paying it back? We got to pay back. We need to sustain the peace in the region and internationally.
1: So not a lot of people outside of West Africa are aware that the librarian uh, military, the Armed Force Library, are actually doing these peacekeeping missions. But some folks are aware that uh, the Ebola viral outbreak that took place in the West Africa region, in the Mono River region, so in Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Liberia in particular, the AFL did play a role in uh, helping civil society. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? That was, sort of, that was
0: a very bad experience for our nation. We are just recovered from, from the civil crisis, trying to build an economy, trying to build our build our health sector, our educational sector. And boom, the Ebola came in. 2013 and 2014 became very worse. And the, the AFL, the first uh, action we took was to put in measures to protect our own troops and the troops' families. That was the first action we took. And while we were taking those actions, government asked that we provide um, security and escort details for burial teams because the burial teams were overwhelmed and, and communities were angry because continuous barriers within their, in their uh, environment, they felt that was not healthy for them. And they started attacking burial teams. So the AFL had to protect the burial teams and the community later understood that we needed to do that. And after protecting the burial teams, we were taxed because um, the virus kept spreading. We were taxed to control the influx of people from the rural area to Morovia. Because the rural areas were, like, safer than Morovia. So we tried, and the, the government asked us to help in our, in our lives. So we had to deploy tax forces around the country to control the influx of people from the rural area to Morovia. And things kept getting worse. Our two communities got so infected with the virus, we were forced to quarantine on government orders. And we have to quarantine those. It was not
1: something nice to do, but we had to do it to protect the, the larger population. When people not affiliated with the military often think of military and armed forces, they think of combat, counterterrorism, things like that. Perhaps peacekeeping. Oftentimes, the the role of the military in response to a national disaster or disease, viral outbreak like this, is overlooked. So I, I suspect that some of our listeners might be surprised to find out some of the things the actually
0: they were surprised, and at the end they appreciated it. You know when the 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 U.S. military personnel move in. We joined them and we constructed a lot of ETUs around the country, and
1: those ETUs actually serve the purpose. Those are the Ebola treatment units. Yeah, the Ebola treatment units. So you mentioned you know this the reason I mentioned about the unusual role is that um, if you, if you send troops like here in America out to fight forest fires, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. but the fear is the fire, you can it's see fair. the fire. When it's Ebola and it's a virus and you no, can't you don't see. see it.
0: You are fighting an enemy that you cannot see.
1: And you are trying to protect people who may not realize that you're doing no. something in their benefit.
0: I can remember that when we took we took some inspection trip at the West Point, one of the communities we quarantined, and there was this guy that decided to break the quarantine. He jumped over the fence around PHP, end of the the, the, the Mamban point. Hmm. I think you are you are you are familiar yes, I, with the I do know the area very well. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, he, he was so weak, and he just dropped. And we told the soldiers, don't touch him, and he started vomiting and bleeding. And we had to call an ambulance to come and pick him up to take him to the Ebola treatment unit. It was a bad experience, but we are soldiers. We do what we are to do.
1: Well, I think that of all the things, perhaps the peacekeeping missions are obvious. But I would say that uh, from my perspective, just to share with you, that the AFL's response in the Ebola outbreak is evidence of what we were hoping to accomplish, the librarians and the Americans. We wanted a professional, apolitical, military, responsive to civil authority who set an example for the country and for the region. And I, I would have to argue that it, certainly in that case, uh, the AFL has shown that that's what the AFL is today. Sure. We did that. And we are still up to the task to doing more. So looking back at that historic period we're talking about, 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. the time when you and I and so many others put our hearts and souls into trying to build this new AFL. Sure, sure. What comes to mind for you? For me, it's the sight of dedicated, disciplined, young librarians marching in formation, proudly restoring wow. honor in ceremony after ceremony. People don't understand the band was there, the AFL band. When I first arrived in Liberia, I would watch Liberians who knew the history of Liberia, who suffered through the conflicts, who had lived there, would come to ceremonies. And the tears of joy that would stream down their eyes, and then you'd see the soldiers walk by, disciplined, professional, polite, friendly. Mm-hmm. So that's my enduring memory. What about yourself? <laughs> I think we share a similar memory. Mine
0: is all is is in, in the same in the same line, but what actually impressed me, and it is still I still feel proud about it, was when it was my time of graduation, the the IT when we were marching and...
1: The individual uh, n- Yeah, training. the individual
0: uh, entry training. Yes. And we were marching and you could hear from the crowd in the Librarian that our own brother then. That our that, own brother then. Yeah. That our How's own that? brother is that my, then. Is my librarian still good? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that our own brother then. That's a Librarian It means that... Those are our own people. Those are our own children. Those are our own family members that have decided to protect us. And they were very proud, and some were even weeping and waving flowers, and it was a very nice, scene. I I will never forget that scene.
1: Yes, I I was there. I remember it, too. It's uh, it's evoking memories now. It was quite an interesting time. Some of the interesting things that also took place, uh, you may have observed, not direct participant, but our first truck driver class was predominantly female soldiers. Wow, yes. And so librarians would see the female soldiers driving these the, large trucks. Yeah, have it to the vehicles. <laughs> so I remember it uh, at Stoplight, which is a famous uh, part of town there. Yeah. Uh, the trucks were stopped Just for traffic to, and people started climbing up in the trucks when they saw librarian women to, driving. a
0: <laughs> friend hey. at one time. <laughs>
1: At one time we were in route to to Tugbanga. To yes,
0: we were in support of the Ministry of State because the president was going there for the cele- the, uh, the Independence Day celebration, July twenty sixth, mm-hmm. and we had a, 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 a um, lunch break and the girls got down from the truck and there was a huge crowd running out. Wow, the girls are driving the heavy vehicles. <laughs> it was so nice and actually it was now it was it was good. To have, you know, when you are having a or restructuring program for any military institution, it is necessary. What I observe, it is necessary to have civil participation, to have the civil society input, to have their recommendation. Then they become part of the process. Then they appreciate the process. And liberals is a very good example.
1: Well, I would have to agree with that. One of the, the, the main thrust of the efforts we were trying to do, things I focused on, was civil engagement, getting the community involved. One of the things we frequently did is we went on the Unmill Radio, which was the, the only national radio network yeah, at the time. across the country. All <laughs> over the country. And they had the morning program Coffee Talk. or yeah, coffee, cof- coffee, coffee, break. Talk. coffee Break. Coffee, coffee Break, Coffee Break. And so I frequently went on there to talk about the AFL, and I brought AFL soldiers on. And the day that I brought the uh, female soldiers on there, who were truck drivers, uh, the, the, the announcer was asking me questions. And I said, why don't you ask them? They're in the AFL, yeah, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and you should have heard the people calling into the program that day. It's uh, quite amazing.
0: That was amazing. That
1: was nice. So the first cohort, you were in the second cohort, the yeah, second, second class. Cohort. Yeah, second But class. the first cohort was a proof of concept sort of thing in which mm-hmm. the Americans uh, said, let's try this and see if we can actually do it and go through the train the recruiting, vetting, the training. But from that first cohort, there were nine lieutenants. And among yeah. those lieutenants, they've done quite well. So we have in there Daniel Ziacon, who mm-hmm. became a major general and chief of staff of the AFL, mm-hmm. and now is the defense minister. Yeah. And then behind him, uh, Prince, Prince Johnson, Johnson, who's now the chief of staff, and then uh, Brigadier General Geraldine George. the Deputy Chief of Staff and the first female, Deputy chief of
0: staff and the first female General in the of Liberia. First female General. Yeah, we are yeah. gender sensitive. I, I can see that. <laughs> I can see
1: that. We certainly made an effort at it. It was a challenge, though, because of the long conflict. Uh, one of the requirements the Liberian government set was that every soldier would have a high school diploma or equivalent. Yeah. And, of
0: course, that it was, was that difficult. Was, that was a key requirement. That was a key requirement. Do you think it was important for the force? It was important because to have a
1: force that would respect human rights, it has to be educated. Another part of what we did is, uh, it happened less so with your class and afterwards, but certainly with the first class is a big portion of their initial training involved civics and uh, human rights law Mm -hmm. and things like that. So they had an appreciation for the history of library, Mm -hmm. its political system, and the role of the military. Do you think that plays an important role?
0: We still teach civics. Oh, you do indeed. That's yeah, we awesome. ran we ran two recruit recruit uh, classes on our own, um, 2013 and 2015. Excellent. It's still part of the curriculum. We have, we stay maintain the models and we, we continue with it. Wow, I think Even, I, I want residuals for that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it must be a successful program. No, it it was
0: successful. We had have, we had have, we, we brought in additional three hundred recruits. In the Excellent. two phases, yeah.
1: Excellent. And, of course, uh, after my departure, something we put in motion, but finally the Coast Guard was established after the Defense Act was amended. So you have a Coast Guard now, too? we got a Coast Guard.
0: They are doing extremely well. They That's made a lot of errors. They
1: are protecting our waters.
0: Been doing some and drug interdiction and, lot, and search and a a rescue. A lot. Even RUU, RU, RU, they you know, um, are on, on, illegal, unregulated, um, unauthorized fishing. Mm. A lot of errors. And the U.S. government are doing extremely well. They, they, they have con- constructed a boathouse in, 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 in Moravia out of Freeport. They also, and the con- they, I think the, the pier is, is done also, and they have constructed um, another boathouse in Bikana that was just uh, dedicated a few months ago. And they are plans to do some in Sano and Maryland. Well, Maryland, so of in the, the southeastern guard, county. The Coast Guard will be able to patrol the entire uh, 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 coastal line because most of the um, the violation see that within that region from Bikana going down towards. Uh, 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 so the final third
1: of the coastline yeah, is sure, sure. not— there,
0: there, were, there were There were the Coast Guard actually focusing in recent times.
1: Well, the AFL has succeeded in many respects, as we've talked about here, but any military can always improve. We can always make things yeah, better. There's always room. Exactly. So, are there is there any area that you think where folks, uh, foreign donors, foreign those who may want to help the AFL and library that might be able to help the AFL improve?
0: There are two areas, but I'm going to give you in terms of priorities. Okay.
1: The first area is the
0: NCO Academy. The AFL had decided to build an NCO to establish an NCO Academy. You know, when Danica left, the highest NCO training we got was BNOC, the Basic Non Commissioned Officer Course. Yeah, for our listeners, yeah. I should explain yeah. that yeah. Uh,
1: you're talking about non-commissioned officers yeah. and the initial training to be leaders yeah. for junior.
0: Yeah, for junior and for, for junior. You know. So we had Not training for our NCOs, mm-hmm. and there was no training for advanced courses. Mm-hmm. So now we have to send it out of the country. So we intend to have an NCO academy where we'll be able to provide basic, BNOD and advanced NCO courses. Because you know the NCOs are the backbone of the Army. If you got a strong NCO corps, you got a stronger Army. I agree. So that's one of the key areas that anybody coming in to give a hand, we appreciate.
1: So, one of course, one of the challenges is with the advanced course is that you may get invitations from abroad, but it's never enough to meet the demand.
0: It's never enough. You so. know you are. It's gratis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so let me ask you this question before we wrap up here. So what do you think the next five years holds for the new AFL? At some point, by the way, we're going to have to stop calling them the new AFL, right? <laughs> so, it's, it's been 12 so years. You know,
0: years. <laughs> you know. sometimes you are not the first one saying that, that we should stop calling. I think it's, it has gone more than 13 years now we should be calling it the AFL. But a um, lot of folks that experience the war are not comfortable with just saying the AFL. Because by saying the AFL, it reminds them of some bad days of the AFL. So to bring themselves some relief, they prefer to say the new AFL. So I, <laughs> so, I suspect <laughs> it probably for another generation. It's for another generation before that would be erased. Because a lot of folks feel that by saying the AFL, it's ambiguous. <laughs> Which AFL? So, because it brings back it, it brings back a, lot of, a lot of old memories. So. Wow, it's quite a horrific yeah. war. So it's A lot of people are comfortable looking at it to be the new AFL.
1: And I think it's okay. <laughs> well, Lieutenant Colonel Murphy, is there anything you'd like to share with us before we close?
0: Uh, I think uh, what we're going to look at now in the next five years is to have a force that will be robust enough to respond to, to national and regional issues, to have a force that will be able to serve as a nation builder and to maintain the peace, always. Excellent. It was a nice time being with you. Once again, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the time that you've provided me to be here. It's an opportunity, being the first Liberian officer to attend such a prestigious college. I think it's a challenge and also an opportunity that I need to continue to strive. It's all because, you know, I always said, we are where we are. We have all these success stories because of good training and a robust leadership.
1: Those are key things. Training matters, and leadership <laughs> leadership sets the guidelines, doesn't
0: so, it? The training we got we were very good. I think that's why we are where we are today. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I'd like to thank you once again for joining us on the War Room podcast. Uh, thank you, kindly for your insights and your views. Uh, more than thirteen years into the post conflict effort to rebuild a credible, apolitical institution focused on defending the nation's and the people's freedoms. We see clear signs the AFL has, in many respects, succeeded. And if anyone was looking for evidence the new AFL would develop into a professional military, I offer the enrollment of Library's first-ever senior officer into the U.S. Army War College as a sure sign that the AFL went in the right direction. Lieutenant Colonel Murphy, once more, I thank you for joining us in the War Room and sharing your time with us. Thank you very much, sir.
0: It was a pleasure. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening.